You have been chosen. You've been chosen by the one who knows all the hairs on your head or the lack thereof. (laughs) You've been chosen by the one who placed the stars in the sky, who created the universe, where all of this could go away in a matter of his decision. You've been chosen by him. Scientist says that 80% of the of water on earth has yet been touched. It has not been discovered. They don't even know what is down there. Him, God, our savior, our healer, our deliverer, the God of the universe, the God of all gods. He has chosen you and he called you by name. So why do you doubt that you are chosen? Why do you doubt what your purpose is? Why do you doubt why you are supposed to be here? If you're supposed to be here. When he called you, you, the one that has questions about who you are, where you're going in life, if it's going to happen. He said, I've chosen you. He knew us all even before we were in our mother's womb. He understood who, where we were going to be in the beginning of creation. He understands what we're going to do before we even do it. So you and I have been chosen. But in the world that we're living in full of distractions, the question is, what have we been chosen to do? I can create all these things. I can sit here and ask the Lord and do what I need to do to allow this podcast to be the greatest podcast on earth. And all of that will be under the grace of God. But if I have no love, what is the point of it? So the question is, what have we been chosen to do? It is to love. Let's talk. Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm so excited that you are back. We are in episode 20 already of season three. I cannot believe how time has just been flying by. I pray that you have been gaining some things this season. I really have been asking the Lord to reveal more things to me and ask the Lord to really take me into a deeper place within him so that I am able to share things with you all and just have a conversation. I know that we had an amazing time having that conversation with Willie about making room for God, making room for him. When I say this book... It is in depth. It is so layered. It has so many chapters and the Lord really led and guide Willie on making room for the Lord in various areas of our lives. So I'm going to encourage you to still please go and get that book, support Willie. We want to support one another in the faith. We want to support those who are about the mission of the Lord, right? And I'm not saying that other people are not, but we want to support the uh, folks who are about the Lord, who are going to point you to Jesus, because we have been chosen. And because I know Willie personally, I know that brother does everything for the glory of God. That brother walks in faith. That brother will do the things that God has called him to and he will walk in love. And so what we're talking about is that we have been chosen. 
we've all have a certain skill set or a talent that God has given us. The Bible does say that his gifts are without repentance. So sometimes we can see people who are very, very gifted in certain areas and they may not use it for the glory of God. They may not even believe in God through Jesus Christ, right? But God's gifts are without repentance. His gifts are still there. He does not remove his gifts. We have the decision to uh, use our gifts for him or not. We have the decision to say, God, you gave me this gift. I'm going to use it for your glory. I'm going to make sure that people know more of you and not about me. It's not just about a financial gain and all these things, but it's like, God, how are you calling me to use my gifts? So sometimes when we think about being chosen, I am concerned that a lot of the conversation, especially as of, I I would say maybe within the past, maybe five to 10 years, maybe a little bit longer, the conversation of purpose and what we've been called to do and chosen to do. I feel like that has been very loud over the past years. Now, here's the truth. You all know I mentioned this scripture a lot in this Ecclesiastes where it says that nothing is new under the sun, right? And I'm paraphrasing. Um, And it's letting us know that this has always been a struggle for humankind. Humans were always trying to figure out what what is it that we have been called to do, chosen to do. And the reason why it has always been there since the beginning of time is because of sin. The moment sin separated us from the Lord, this allowed confusion to come in. There's a scripture in the Bible that says that God is not the author of confusion. So if God ain't the author of something, that means who else is the author of it? If it does not come from God, it ain't, it's not good, right? It's just at the end of the day, it is not good. So sometimes we have all of this confusion about who we are and what we're supposed to be doing. And we immediately think, uh, what are our gifts? What are my talents? Um, I, I've heard career people or business people or even life coach says, okay, what, what are you good at? What is it that people naturally come to you? And I do understand that wisdom to a certain extent. But how many times as believers has the Lord made you move down a lane that you felt extremely unqualified for it? You're like, Lord, I have no skills in this. I have no education in this. I have never even heard of this. I've never thought of this. And I'll give you a good example. Years ago, I want to say, this is maybe about eight years ago or so. I just remember praying and I was praying about some things and I was asking the Lord about some wisdom and understanding about what is he calling me to do? And then I kept hearing real estate over and over and over. I had no desire. Hear me clearly. I had no desire to be a real estate agent. I have never looked at real estate agents and said, "Mm, I want to do that one day. Never, 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 never. Right. But just praying. The Lord told me, become a real estate agent, get into real estate. So I kept praying and praying and I was asking Lord what to do and directions and all these things. And then I remember um, because I, I looked up how much it would cost to be a real estate agent. Now, here's the thing. Before I got to the real estate agent, I had 
several questions that I asked the Lord. I was like, Lord, do you want me to become an investor? Because at this time, Chris and I were looking at buying a home. So I said, well, maybe I need to learn more about real estate so that we can purchase a home. And the Lord's like, no, this is what you need to do. And I was like, okay, God, what is it? Okay, God. So all of this is once again out of my comfort zone, out of my lane, out of my uh, uh, area of expertise. It was out of my desire. So, you know, when we talk about the scripture that the, that God will give you the desires of your heart, we always think it's something that we want. No, it's the desires that he has placed in us. Not the desires we just conjured up. It is a desire that he has placed in us. So because I wanted to please my father so much and I wanted to delight him so much, I said, okay, God, I will do this. I will go after it. So I remember researching and praying and all of these things. And then I came across a Groupon. Thank you, Jesus, because I love a good deal. So the Lord knew, the Lord knew, let me send this girl to a Groupon, to a deal so she can make sure. So I won't be sitting here asking, Lord Jesus, this thing is $500. Lord, I don't want to pay $500. He understood where I was. This is how beautiful God is. He knows us as, as his children. Found a great Groupon for like less than $200. And I remember taking it, taking the class. It was a great class. Um, it just so happened that everyone um, raved about this teacher. This is how God orchestrated all of this. My class, it was an in-person class. It was by one of the best teachers in the field. And this is when we were in Georgia. And I'm like, God, you're just so amazing. The first time around, I passed my the state test and the local test. And I didn't realize it at the time that that was pretty rare because real estate testing is pretty challenging. It's a lot of laws and numbers. It's a lot of things that you have to know, which makes sense, right? So I'm just studying and studying and, and God is just allowing me to flow through. And I know even the day I took the state exam, I promise you, I don't remember anything from that, that test. It was, when I say it was noisy, they had literally construction on the roof. So it was loud in there. I was the only person taking the test. It was super cold. It was like maybe 10 degrees outside. So a lot of people just weren't showing up. But I said, no, the Lord told me what day to go, what time to go, when to do it. So I was obedient. And the Lord allowed me to, uh, to pass. Now, did I study like crazy? Yes. Can you, if you ask me today what I learned, I would tell you, I don't know. I don't remember a dog or thing, right? I'm saying all this to say that God will bring us down paths we have never anticipated. Even with me doing this podcast, I never would have thought of that. I never. I'm not even much of a podcast listener. I kind of zone out into my own world. I don't listen to a lot of people, right? And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm just, you know, being honest, I really don't listen to a lot of people. I try to have, I'm very selective about what I'm listening to. And I really try to have more of my time to be spent with God. So God will send us down these paths that sometimes has nothing to do with our gifts. And while I was in real estate, the Lord allowed for me to make some really good sales and have some really good clients where people were surprised at my success for being there for sh such a short period of time. That was God. And I'm like, Lord, if I can take my purpose and take 
what you've commanded me to do and always make sure I'm glorifying you, what would happen? But I look back at it, a lot of those things was I was walking in a spirit of love with each client. God had me to minister to one lady I would have never thought. She just broke down in front of me. And I literally pulled my Bible out. Now, I know they don't encourage us to do it, but you know, hey, I'm, as a real estate agent, you kind of, you're your own business owner. So I pulled my Bible out and I gave her some words and I gave her some encouragement. And I told her, I said, meditate on this. And she was just like, I'm just so thankful. Thank you. I can't believe another client. She was like, I just can't believe that you spent this time with me. I appreciate it. One of my other clients, he just kept talking about, I just appreciate your heart. If I have all of these things and my heart focus was solely about money, solely about making my name great and not the name of the Lord. What is the purpose? I want to read this because I want us to make sure that we understand that our call is to love. Whatever gift and talent that you have, if you have love, what is, if you don't have love, what is the purpose? If you don't have the love of God and how to execute the love of God, what is the purpose? And I'm reading from the Amplified Version and we're going to read 1 Corinthians the chapter 13. Yes, we're going to read the whole chapter. It's only 13 verses, but we're going to read uh, chapter 13, 1 Corinthians. And I'm reading from the Amplified Version. If I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love for others growing out of love, God's love for me, then I have become only a noisy gong or a cling, a clanging cymbal, just an annoying distraction. So wait a minute. So if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, so we talk about our heavenly tongue and our, our natural tongue. So you could be the most articulate, intelligent person, or you can be someone who can call heaven down because you're going into some hard tongues, baby. I'm talking about you going into warfare. But if you have not love, the Bible says that it is only a noisy gong or a, clang or a clanging cymbal. In other words, it's just an annoying distraction. If we have not love, verse two says this. And if I have the gift of prophecy, I speak of a new message from God to the people and understand all mysteries and possess all knowledge. And if I have all sufficient faith so that I can remove mountains, but do not have love, the love that's reaching out to others. So to all those that God has called to have a prophetic anointing, because and I want to put this out here real quick, real quick. Within the body of Christ, and um, I don't I don't know where this started or where this has come from, whatever the case is, I have seen this far too often where people who have the title or or the position of a prophet, they feel in order to relay the word of God, you have to do it in a very harsh, mean, and cynical way. I'm literally reading the scripture here, and this is unbiblical. Now, I am not saying that every word will be um, conveyed or spoken softly because I know myself, I become passionate. And sometimes I, I will ask people, I'm like, did I sound fussy? And one person said, no, you just sound like you're just, you're just encouraging us to get ourselves together. Like, 
there's more to God. And, you know, I'm just like pushing this. And she was like, you know, your voice is kind of soft. It's, it's too light for us to really consider it fussing, fussing. <laughs> so, so I kind of chuckled at that. But my heart posture is, Lord, help me to make sure I am conveying the message you want me to and not getting caught up in my emotions. Because when you do have a prophetic anointing, or you walk in the office of a prophet, sometimes you see so much and you hear so much. If you do not release it, you become the own judge and jury, which is not of God. God is the only one who can judge us. Why is it? Why? Why is that saying true? Why is that saying true? Because Jesus himself says that. Now, because we talk about holy judgment and holy righteousness and um, no holy judgment. We talk about these things. But when I say God is the He's the only one that can judge us. It's the truth because he's the only one that can put us in heaven and hell. Well, really, it's not him but putting us in heaven and hell because we make the decision to reject him. And which makes us go to hell and we have the decision to accept him. But when he says judge, he knows what the last step in the last moment of somebody is going to be. We have no inkling of that. We don't. Now, I can discern some things. I can um, walk in grace that allows me to correct you through Christ, right? There is accountability that we will have amongst one another. And there's also a level of correction that we will have one another. But sometimes how we are condemning folks to hell, this is where the problem is. And we're going to talk more about that because if we have no love. So to all those who are prophets, prophetess, or who feel like they have the anointing of a prophet, watch how you deliver God's message. It says this in verse two. And once again, I'm reading from the Amplified version. And if I have the gift of prophecy, meaning, and I speak a new message from God to the people, and I understand all mysteries and possess all knowledge. And if I, and if I have all sufficient faith so that I can remove mountains So to all those who are faith, I'm talking about your faith is insane. And to all my intellects and to all those who want to go deep into the Lord, the word says, but do not, but if I do not have love reaching out to others, I am nothing. This overly critical, overly, at the end of the day, just being mean. I am seeing comments from pastors, bishops, prophets, prophetess, and all these things who are literally saying, well, if you want to go to hell, that's your decision, LOL. What? Where is the love? And we're going to go into God's patience for us to be saved. That's the scripture we're going to read today. Verse three says this, if I give all of my possessions to feed the poor, And if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it does me no good at all. I I hope that we're getting this. You can be the most cheerful giver. You can be the most kind person to where you're giving everything to the point to where you give at the expense of your own livelihood, the expense of your comfortability. But I have no love. And verse four tells us what love is. Love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind. Love is thoughtful. And it is not jealous or envious. Love does not brag. It is not proud or arrogant. It is not rude. We just talked about some of these comments 
that I'm, it is, and I know I'm not the only one that's seeing this stuff on social media. And I'm like, Lord, what is happening to your children? And I was having this conversation with a really good friend of mine and a song came out, I want to say about three years ago or so. And the song, it was about Jesus, but it was a very flesh song. And I'm not going to call the song out because, yeah, I'm just not going to call the song out. But at the end of the day, when the song hit, it got really big. And you're seeing people were like, yep, that's me. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, pause. Is this reflective of Christ or our flesh? And I remember having this conversation with my friend and he said, that song just really exposed the heart of the believers. We still feel justified in being rude and messy. We feel that it's okay to fight physically and cause ruckus instead of walking in love. Am I saying that there's not going to be moments where you have to physically defend yourself? I'm not saying that. But we're finding excuses to hold on to the old man. We're finding excuses not to let go of the old man and allowing the new man to be arisen in us and to feed the new man, which is Christ Jesus, which is the Holy Spirit. We're going to go ahead and read our word and pray so that our spirit is really, really stirred up, stirring up the gifts. Holding on to the new things of God. So it's interesting as we're living in this time, as more and more things are becoming exposed. Now, here's the hope of encouragement. Do not feel down or, or, or feel dismayed like, Lord Jesus, people are just falling away. What it is, it's like we have to know that it's two things. It's time for us to be really praying and interceding because the Bible commands us to pray for all people at all times, at all times. We are supposed to be praying for all people. There's another scripture and I can't think of it, but it talks about praying for your brothers in faith. Faith. And I want to say it's in, um, gosh, I can't think of it, but it's about praying for one another. In John 15, I want to say it was either John 15 or John 17, the whole chapter, the Lord allowed me to teach a prayer class at my church. And this is the second part. And as I was reading this and it was, it speaks of the, um, it speaks of Jesus praying for himself in the beginning. And then he prays for the disciples. And then he prays for those who God has called to him, the believers, right? There is a method and also there is a command on how we should pray in a lot of areas. So when we are seeing these things on social media, first of all, cover yourself. Cover yourself. Because let's not act like social media, not just social media, but news, conversation, all of these things. What we hear Our hearing, they are gates. And are we protecting our gates? Now, as we mature in Christ, God does not want us to ignore all things because we need to be aware of certain things. We need to be aware of it so that we know how to pray, know how to minister, know what to be aware of. We we have to know what the enemy is doing, right? But that comes with time and maturity. Sometimes it depends on where you are with your walk with the Lord. You just need to say, you know what, right now, I don't need to hear none of this. I just need to cut all this off because I'm being too easily influenced. And guess what? If you know that about yourself, that is good. Don't feel bad. Thank the Lord for revelation. 
Thank the Lord for providing you with truth that I'm being way too easily influenced by this. Whatever this is. So when we're seeing things online or we're seeing things around us, let it be our community or in our family, whatever it is. We have to pull back and say, God, is this your character? For it says, love, it is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not provoked, nor overly sensitive and easily angered. Oh my God, help us all, Jesus. This is still verse five. We are still in chapter 13, 1 Corinthians. And once again, I'm reading the amplified version. It talks about what love is. And what love is not. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. You know how sometimes we do things because we want to get a response for somebody. And you're upset because they didn't respond the way that you wanted to respond. That you didn't do that out of love. You, You give and you love and you do the best for others because that's just your heart posture. You thank God for anything that comes back to you. But it's not self-seeking. It's not about you. It is not provoked, not overly sensitive and not easily angered. Hello, Lord, help us. It does not take into account of wrong endured. Oh, Lord, the word is convicting me. Jesus, help me, Lord. (laughs) I know there was a time and point in my life, specifically within my marriage, where I had the blame game. I would point fingers at my husband. And then the Holy Ghost began to let me know that that was the trick of the enemy to keep us in this vicious cycle. And it took some time and it took some patience. And I'm not saying that everything that I did not bring up to my husband wasn't fact, but it was the spirit in how I was doing it. I wanted him to know. I wanted him to feel it, right? It was the spirit and how I was doing it. It wasn't to break down whatever it may be spiritual strongholds that my husband may have had. It wasn't about, okay, how do we make sure that we're on the point of, of what God is saying? There were times that I'm just being transparent where it was, I wanted him to see my pain and hear it and hear my pain, Right. And I get it. We all want to be heard and seen on a certain level. But when it comes to our walk with God, now that we are new creatures in God, now that our call is different, how does this align with God? What if it takes years for someone to see? It took me years for me to see certain things in my husband. It took him years for certain things to see. Now, imagine if we gave up along the way. We couldn't say that, thank you, Jesus, we'll be celebrated 18 years this year. And we've had a great marriage. Have we had ups and downs? Absolutely. But I would say majority of it has been amazing. And I'm grateful for it. Love does not take into account a wrong endured. You know, some of us keep a tally on stuff. And that's not the heart of God. 
It does not rejoice at injustice, but in, but it rejoices with truth when right and truth prevail. Verse seven says, love bears all things regardless of what comes, believes all things, looking for the best in each one, hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times. That's when you know when you have hope. When it is the most challenging time in your life. I'm thinking about the song of uh, Prince of Egypt. (laughs) And it says you can, uh, what does it say? You can do miracles if you believe. It says this, though hope is frail, it is hard to kill. And I was like, ooh, that's a good line. Love bears all things, hopes all things. Remaining steadfast during difficult time endures all things without weakening. Verse eight says, love never fails. It never fades nor ends. But as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for gifts of special knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. For our knowledge is fragmentary and incomplete. But when that which is complete and perfect comes, that which is incomplete and partial will pass away. And here's some more wisdom. It says this in verse 11. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child and I reasoned like a child. When I became became a man, I did away with childish things. Verse 12 says, "For, for now, in this time of imperfection, we see a mirror. Dimly, a blurred reflection, a riddle, an enigma. But when, but then when the time of perfection comes, we will see reality face to face. That's the, when Christ returns. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have been fully known by God and know there remain faith, abiding, trusting in God and his promises, hope, confident expectation of eternal salvation, love. Unselfish love for others, growing out of God's love for me. These three, the choices of grace, but the greatest of these is love. What have you been commanded to do? What have you been chosen to do? Is to love. Is to love your enemies. It is to love one another. John 13, 34 says, I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. You two are to love one another. This was Christ talking. And this love that he was talking about and that we need to understand is not about an emotion, but it's about what we do. Doing things for the benefit of another person is having an unselfish concern and un selfish concern for one another and a willingness to seek the best for one another. Now I want us to take that thought. Take this thought, right? Take that thought. And I'm reading it again. I want you to think about it. It's not much as, it's, it's not so much about a matter of emotion, but doing things for the benefit of another person having an unselfish concern for another and a willingness to seek the best for another. I want you to take that and we're going to take this into what Jesus told us to do. Continuing in love. 
Jesus was teaching and he said, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor, follow a fellow man, right? And once again, we're in the amplified version and hate your enemies. But Jesus is telling us this, but I say to you, love that is unselfishly seek the best or higher good for your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What? What? My husband told me about a pastor who preached this message about uh, loving your neighbors and loving your enemies. And he said uh, uh, one of his congregational members came to him and said, I don't know what you preach and what liberal talk you talking about, but that's not the Bible. And he said, this is what Jesus said. And he had to show him scripture. There is so much doctrine. There's so much distraction. That's what I want to say. There's so much distraction that's going on in our society today across this world to where we don't even know the voice of Christ as those who go to church on a consistent basis, as those who proclaim salvation, we don't even know the character of Christ. So what have you been chosen to do is to love him, to know him, to desire him, to seek him. I get it. You want all the natural things. I'm on that same path, Lord. I want these things, but it's like the Lord is just keeps breaking me down. The more I seek him, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, all of these things will be added unto you. It is amazing. The more I know of God, the more I know about Christ, all of this stuff starts to fall into place. The battles are not... It's like when we talk about the, the, the mountains being removed, when we can speak to a mountain, when sometimes we don't even know what to speak because we don't even know the person, God, and his ability to remove the mountain. Because our faith is not in us. Our faith is in the words that we are speaking. Who, is it, who are our words attached to? Are our words attached to our ability or to God? But do you know him? Do you know his character? Do you know his ability? Do you have any clue of what he's able to do for you? Do we have a desire to even understand more of his love? Loving your enemy unselfishly. Why would God say that? Why would he command us to love people who are against us? Does God not do that? One thing that is hard for us to really grasp in this day and age, that either you're for him or, you're, or you are against him. And that's what Christ said. Before we became believers, we were unknowingly enemies of the Lord. I know some people are like, well, I know I've always believed in God, but I just didn't get saved until later. Okay. But you were against his will. You were against his desire. See, sometimes we think of intentionality versus the heart posture. You know, sometimes we didn't intend to do it. I didn't intend to say it this way, nor did I intend, intend for that person to get offended. So your heart posture was like, oh no, I'm sorry. So you correct it. But because our hearts are evil and full of nastiness, 
We have to have Christ to clean that up. The Holy Spirit will search us. We don't even know the depths of our own heart. So when we are commanded and when Christ is teaching us to love our enemies, we have to say, God, what is the purpose of it? But I want my prayer is that you reflect and I reflect on the moments when we were against God, when we didn't do what he called us to do. When we spoke of every other thing and being outside of him. He says that I am a jealous God, that there shall be no other God before me. And I had to learn over the years that sometimes we have equated God as in another religion, but sometimes these are idols and altars that we have created over the years that have been placed before him. And if anything that is placed before him, it is against him. That is a hard truth. But we think we are so thankful for his grace and mercy. That he continues to give us so much patience. He continues to give us so much patience. He wants us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us so that you and I, this is what the scripture says in 45, and I'm reading Matthew 5, 43 through 45, so that you may show yourself to be the children of the father who's in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on those who are evil and those who are good and makes the rain fall on the righteous and those who are morally upright and the unrighteous, those who are unrepentant and those who oppose him. We are his representatives. We are his reflection here on earth. Here on earth, we are his reflection. So sometimes we're like, God, why do I have to pray for those enemies? Remember, God wants you to be a reflection, but I also want you to remember that God is patient. So remember we said earlier that, the, that love is patient. Love is kind. Second Peter 3.15 says, Consider the patience of our Lord. He delay in judging and avenging wrong as salvation. That is allowing time for more to be saved. Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him by God. So what is the scripture saying? That he wants us to be considerate of the patience that God has given us to be saved, even for ourselves. Patience for us that we, it took us some time to repent. And we continue to repent even as we believe. Even Repentance is not just for when we are now saved. We have to continue to repent even after that. Because there's some areas where we have turned from God. Where them areas were like, God, I blocked that off to you. But God said, I've given all of you all patience. Once again, we're still called to walk in love. Love is patience. So now when I see people who don't quote unquote have it together, or they seem like they are, there's some people who are, the amount of pain that they have is really doesn't have to do with God. So this is why they're coming for the Christian faith. But Jesus tells us that people will persecute us. People will talk about us. People will do all these things. So we can't be surprised, right? So a lot of these things, it's like, okay, we have to get into the word to, so that God is God has already prepared us. He's letting us know that people are going to come for your faith. People are going to come for you. And that is, that's a part of it. That's the truth, right? But sometimes God is allowing me to see some people and I'm like, it's just a lot of hurt, so I pray for them. 
that God, you open up the pathway so that they can have an encounter with you. Love is patience. So we have to be considerate of of our Lord's patience for salvation. Just like how he was so patient with us to become saved, we have to be patient for others to become saved. And we have to ask the Holy Spirit to pour out God's love on us. If we're really struggling with walking in love, that type of love that we are commanded to do, the type of love that we have been chosen to do, we have to ask for the Holy Spirit to pour out his love. Sometimes we need to refresh You know what I mean? Sometimes we've been jaded or been bogged down by too much stuff in life. It just really breaks us down. Romans 5 and 5 says this, such hope in God's promises never disappoints us because God's love has been abundantly poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given us, who was given to us. So we have to ask for the Holy Spirit to teach us how to walk in love. How do I speak love? Lord, even, even this, um, it can be something to where you have to have hard conversations or it's some truths, but God, let your love and your grace be with me. Lord Jesus, let your, let your grace season my words. Let your love wrap around my mouth. There are certain prayers that we have to do. God, when I show up for this person, I don't want to do it, Lord, but you're calling me to do it. Teach me how to do it out of love. Because we just read, it doesn't matter. You can do all these things, but if it has not love, what is the point? So what have you been chosen to do? It is to love. Love for those who are your enemies. Love for those who persecute you. Love for those who don't believe what you believe. I don't hold my love just for people who are Christians. What? That's not even God. He says in John 3, 16, God so loved the world, loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He gave us the gift of Christ. And yet we're holding our own love. And we had no cross to die. There was nothing. We didn't bear anyone else's sins, but our own. And even that, once we gave our sins over to God, Christ was carrying that. We can walk in love. We can be the, we can be the generation that changes the way people view Christ. I've heard a lot of people say this. You may be the only church, the only Christ that someone ever sees. So how are we walking in love? You've been called to walk in love in all things, wherever you go. Lord, teach us how to walk in love. And Lord, we believe that we can do that. But your word says in Philippians 13, 4 and 13, I can do all things which he has called me to do through him who has strengthened and empowered me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. This is why I like to read different translations. I appreciate the uh, New New King James where it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But sometimes Amplified just goes a little bit deeper. And we need that. So as you're praying and thinking about God, what is my purpose? I want you to kind of put that question on hold for a second. And just say, Lord, I've been called to love. Teach me how to love. I pray you've learned something on today. I pray you gain something on today. I pray that you really, really take heart to this about walking in love. We need love. 
We need the love of God. And it starts within our homes. Even if you're by yourself, I want you to think about it. When you're watching TV or watching um, something on your tablet or your phone, whatever it is, how are you loving that person you watch? Are you judging them? Are you talking crazy about them? Oh, Lord, why she got that on? Why did they do this? Because that stuff spills out. Ask the Holy Ghost to give you a fresh pouring of God's love so that you can walk it in all areas. Yes, it's going to be trying. Yes, you will be tested. Yes, you will be stretched. Yes, you will be exhausted. Yes, 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 yes. It will not, it will not be all fuzzies, ro- roses, and all that. No, it won't. But it's God's love. And Lord, do we all need his love. Never give up hope on who God has called you to be. Know that you have been chosen to walk in his love, to be loved and know that you are loved. Lord, we thank you for this time today. God, I thank you for what you have spoken on today, Lord Jesus. Let us all walk away and understanding the importance of love, the importance of walking in love, the importance of being loved and knowing that we are loved by you. We have been chosen. Wow, what a privilege, what a privilege and an honor it is to be chosen by you. And God, if anyone who does not know you as their savior, God, I ask that you speak to their hearts right now. They want to know your love truly, but first they need to know you as their savior. God, I ask that they repeat after me, Lord, come into my life. I ask that you become my savior. I believe that you are the son of God, that you died and rose for my sins. If you have believed that you are saved, your sins have been forgiven. God loves you. We love you. Please find a church home. Always be patient with people as we are patient with one another. And as most of all, God is patient with us because why? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is hope and endureth all things. I love you all. And I will speak to you next week. <laughs>